the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Looking forward to talking to Patrick O'Hare. We've missed each other for the past two weeks. He's been my greatest, my number one guest, the number one person I look forward to. His company, Briefing.com, has been on the air. They don't pay anything. I just like him that much uh, for 20-plus years. Mr. O'Hare at Briefing.com. How are you? I've missed you. Yeah. Hey, Rob. Missed you, too. It's good to be back with you. Got a, did a little late summer uh diversion mostly my fault but um it's good to have you back a lot has happened last we talked the market was kind of hot and sexy and then august came along and it's kind of fallen apart it tells me that i should have you on every week maybe every day going forward (laughs) yeah august came on came along and it's just been hot you know but uh in terms of the market uh it's definitely cooled down um, don't think it's anything too out of the ordinary, though. And I say that knowing that uh, the pullback we've seen this month has you know, come certainly after a, a real hot run for the market. And it's featured uh, low volume. So there's not a lot of conviction behind these selling efforts. What there is really is just a general lack of buying interest. And, uh, and that fits, I think, with this time of year. Uh, vacation periods are popular. Um, obviously, people are sitting on some nice gains coming into the month. I've found some incentive to trim some of those positions. And I think now we're just kind of uh, sitting back, waiting to see how things shake out here. And, of course, with rates coming up in August, uh, China's growth continuing to weaken in August, you know, it's giving them a little bit of pause. And I think just need to get through this month and past Labor Day and, and uh and then they'll take better stock of whether they want to continue this trend or or really buy into the weakness. It's interesting because we are seeing some signs of maybe a rolling recession or maybe a signs of some slowing in the consumer, which kind of goes to that effect that the next couple of months could be worse for the economy um, than we're currently experiencing. There's also the 10-year Treasury has had quite a story since you and I last talked. Um, sitting at 4.23, but it's been rolling higher. And that makes the cost of everything more expensive. And I've said for 20 plus years on the show, when you can get four and a quarter, four and a half on a bond, it makes more sense to go for income than it does for equity stock. Um, what are you seeing with the 10 year? And as it's lower today, down to the 4.23 range, um, I don't think it's a coincidence, but big tech stocks are doing well. Yeah, um, you know, that bump in rates, okay, again, it's like it was one of those excuses, of course, that, you know, uh, allowed people to, you know, take some money off the table and some of those high-flying tech stocks and, and other stocks that have been trading at premium valuations. Um, but, you know, the thing that uh, has struck us about this move in rates is, and what maybe has not caught on with some other people who are 
maybe newer to the market is that it's not really the level of rates isn't really abnormal. Um, what was abnormal is what we saw between 2008 and 2020 in particular, uh, as far as where interest rates were. And uh, so this return to normalcy has been difficult to you know get your mind around only because it's, it's happened pretty quickly. Um, so the pace of change has been what is, is what was really disruptive for the market in 2022. But today, you know, you take stock of where we are and it's, it's not all that far afield from where we were in 2007, 6, 2005 in that area. And so I think that's partly why the market, the stock market overall, though, has held up reasonably well. But but also to the point, um, this is something I talked about in the big picture column I wrote uh, last week, is that um, – you know, this move in rates is, is actually a good thing, in our judgment, for the investor class. Not, and I don't mean just equity investors, right? I just mean just investors in general who have, you know, an ability now to uh, find higher income or better income returns and also reduce the amount of risk in those portfolios. So those balanced portfolios start to look better than they did in past years when you couldn't really get any yield. Uh, in the treasury market or in, or you'd have to go out uh, or way down the quality ladder uh, in the corporate bond market to get any return. And so um, so it was disruptive, obviously, in 2022, but things have settled here, and I think that uh, it's actually been a good thing for the investor class and not a bad thing that rates have risen. Um, and now we'll see to what level if they stabilize here or if we continue to get the better inflation data that a lot of people expect if we see you know, uh, lower rates in the future, which is, uh, again, good for the uh, uh, price appreciation potential in those treasuries. But uh, so that's just a wait, wait and see type of game. So we're moving into NVIDIA's earnings, which should be interesting this afternoon because it's going to tell us, is AI been real for the last six months or have we gotten ahead of ourselves? But also, I think you're going to likely comment on Friday the Fed Chairman Jerome Powell is going to be speaking. Um, any thoughts on either or? Do you want to hit one or the other or both, maybe? Well, um, you know, when it relates to NVIDIA, obviously expectations are sky high. Um, I, I don't follow the stock individually, of course, and look at things in more of a broader macro type perspective. But just knowing how the stock reacted following the last report where it just you know, blew past expectations and raised guidance and I think was up about 25% just the, the day after the report. Um, now you have analysts that have been busy raising their price targets significantly going into this report. You've seen a nice rebound in, in NVIDIA going into the report. And so from my vantage point, what the company says isn't nearly as important as how the market reacts to what it says. Um, that will be the bigger tell in terms of whether this consolidation period gets reset and we go back to trying to kind of push higher as opposed to grinding lower. Um, so that's going to be the, uh, something I'll keep, be keeping a close eye on. And then, of course, Fed Chair Powell, as you mentioned, Rob, is, you know, he's out on Friday. Um, you know, Most of the previews leading into that speech don't expect him to say anything too different from what we've heard him say, which is that the Fed's looking at things on a meeting-by-meeting basis. It's seen some improvement on the inflation front, but it's not satisfied that there's enough improvement yet. But mindful that it's also raised rates quite a bit, um, it might you know, be willing to have a little bit more patience in terms of 
proceeding with further rate hikes. And so, um, so it should, you know, maybe be a nothing burger, so, so to speak, and that would not be a bad thing. Um, but uh, the, the potential disruptive factor for the market would be if he comes out guns blazing and sounds like he did last year in, in Jackson Hole with a very terse uh, reminder that the Fed has a lot of work to do still and, and that it's going to extract, you know, create some pain for businesses and households. Um, but that's not what we're expecting, and that's not the tone we expect them to adopt. Uh, we think it'll be more reserved and kind of a more neutral, uh, you know, leaving the door open to either, you know, raise rates, stay on hold. But he probably emphasize that the Fed is not even thinking about thinking about cutting rates at this point. Great stuff. I always like your spots so much to the point on Wednesdays that I post them separately on my Facebook page and my Instagram pages because I, I just want to hear that. I don't want to hear me. Um, we've got about two and a half minutes. Is there anything else that you want to throw in that maybe has crossed your mind um, as something we should be thinking well, about? Sure. Yeah, I, I think we're starting to get more things to think about, uh, you know, as it relates to the state of the consumer. Um, some recent action, the, the retail industry has, has kind of raised some eyebrows. In particular, we heard from Macy's yesterday talk about weakening consumer credit trends in its business. Um, you know, we hear from Foot Locker uh, today just talking about how it's dealing with, you know, consumer softness here. And uh, and then, you know, we know, of course, in October, we have the um, you know, student loan repayments picking up again. And, and um, you know, one of the, of course, the linchpin here for the U.S. economy has been the, the continued strength of the labor market. Um, but we, you know, might be starting to hear some more anecdotal signs of the consumer getting stretched, particularly the low to middle income consumer, obviously having to grapple with these, you know, with high inflation rates. Uh, but, um, you know, something that um, kind of going to be investigating a little bit more is, is sort of, you know, you know, the, the impact of a deteriorating labor market and how that could hasten, you know, the slowdown. And, you know, we haven't seen that yet, which is why the economy has continued to remain strong and why consumer spending overall has continued to hold up just fine, uh, and certainly the bump in stock prices here and the fact that uh, home equity uh, levels have, have continued to increase, all contributing to the wealth effect that helps uh, spending at the higher end. Uh, that's been good, but, uh, but we really have to keep an eye on after what we heard from Macy's and Foot Locker, I think, about maybe perhaps consumer spending softening here as we move ahead in coming months uh, and what that could ultimately mean for for uh, the slowdown and, and the dynamic of whether it's a soft landing or a hard landing. Thanks very much. And thanks for being patient with my schedule and coming on today and every Wednesday as you do. It's a value add for the listeners and the viewers. I really appreciate it. Um, briefing.com. Patrick O'Hare. Oh, thank you. Talk to you soon. It's Patrick O'Hare. You can find All him right. at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. Um, Again, a reliable source of domestic and international news that you can use. Um, I start my day with his page one. I end my week with his uh, longer piece, The Big Picture. But there's earnings calendars. There's economic calendars. There's You can punch in your own portfolio and follow the breaking news through the day. Um, there's IPO thoughts where they grade the coming IPOs. There's going to be a big IPO, Arm Holdings. How about Instacart? Had Instacart come during the time of the pandemic, it probably would have been worth a lot more. 
Um, but Instacart's interesting because talking to an Uber driver, um, Instacart saved his, his cash flow during COVID. Uh, you can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Think you're in good shape for retirement? Find out how you're really doing with the seven tests of retirement readiness. Join Rob Black and CFP Chad Burton of EP Wealth Advisors, Thursday, August 24th in Los Gatos. They'll walk you through these seven tests to find out whether you are really ready for the retirement you want. Rob will provide timely commentary, and Chad will share specific strategies for taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and more. If you have at least $500,000 in investable assets and want to retire better, pass on your estate, and minimize taxes, this event is for you. Find out if you're on the right track with the seven tests of retirement readiness. Thursday, August 24th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Los Gatos Toll House Hotel. Space is limited, so sign up today at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Can you pass all seven tests? Sign up today online at robblackshow.com. CFP Chad Burton from EP Wealth joins me today to talk a little bit about finance, a little bit about investing, a little bit about retirement, wealth preservation, things that are right up his alley. You can find him online at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. You can meet him Thursday evening, the 24th, at the Los Gatos Hotel, uh, the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos. It is a seven readiness retirement test. Are you ready to retire? And you kind of have to check these check boxes. Otherwise, you expose yourself to going back to work, living beneath your means um, or your, your standards. There, there's a lot of positive and negative ramifications of hitting retirement correctly versus hitting it incorrectly. Chad, let's talk a little bit about the CFP designation. It's something that I met you 25 years ago. I didn't know what it was. I was an RIA, which is a, not a silly designation by any standards, but a registered investment advisor. I was able to manage portfolios. But when I kind of heard what you did, I was like, that's important. That's super important. It's going to become even more important. Let's talk about the CFP designation and why it's such a good idea for retirees to work with a CFP designated person like yourself. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it, you know, if we go to the way back and get in the time machine over oh, about 29 years ago or so when I got into the business, um, you know, I was 19 when I got in the business. I was still going to college working with my grandfather. And so got all the proper licensing to be able to, I guess, sell investments. But I also looked like I was probably 15. <laughs> so I needed to get some designations behind the name that proved that I knew that I could go into an attorney's office, a CPA's office, and you know, go beyond. Here's this younger person. What do they? You know, do they have the experience? Do they have the knowledge? And the CFP designation is one that I found that um, has it all. I mean, we, we you, when you get the certified financial planner designation, now you have to get a bachelor's degree in order to use the designation and have a certain amount of experience once you pass all the tests. And the tests are taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, and investing. And so there's modules that you have to go through. You have to learn about each of those areas. It takes you know, anywhere from, if you're full-time on it, nine months to two years to get through. You have to pass a test on each one and then take a final exam that is uh, given over two days with a national pass rate of around 50% or so. So... About half the people fail it the first time. It's it's a it's a pretty difficult test, and um, 
it goes well beyond just somebody that has an insurance license or an unlicensed, uh, just a license to sell investments. So people can go get a series 65 or seven, for example, Rob, and they're licensed to sell investments, but they don't know how to do taxes. They don't know how to give advice on insurance or state planning, different types of trusts and really truly how to build, you know, models geared towards retirement. I think that's well said. Um, also, I just want to go as far as to say that the professionals that are giving advice um, that are not CFPs, they could actually earn more money in their career by getting that CFP designation. It is that valuable. It helps people in retirement have more money. It helps them stay as clients longer. It, it, all the positive rainfall around it seems to me, it, it just tells me this is a, an important designation. It is. And the demand is so high right now with, with you know, something like 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 every day and the need for in-person retirement planning. Um, you know, the, the, the kids that are coming out of colleges like, you know, Texas Tech and University of Hawaii and um, San Diego State and certain other ones that have the personal finance degree where they're prepped and ready to take the CFP exam and hit the ground running very easy to get a job and within years you're into the six figures. So it's, it's a lot of kids go into the world of finance, Rob in college thinking that it's going to be geared towards investments and personal finance. And it's not, it's geared towards corporate finance. So um, there are schools that offer that degree. And I think it's really a good route to take right now. Let's talk about me. And I've started using a CFP in the last three to five years for my taxes for things like Medicare, Medicaid, insurance, for CFP Brad, who works with you, he said, you know, you really, you've got enough money, Rob, you surely up your umbrella insurance. Um, I'm like, really? Okay. For retirement planning, I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, I know how to create wealth. I don't know how to retirement plan. Estate planning for me, my children, and my spouse, and, you know, coming up with a distribution model still a work in progress, but that's why I have a relationship with a CFP. Um, I never knew it was going to be this hard, Chad. Do you, do you run into other people that, that, you know, kind of see the complexities of it? And yeah, I, I, I can't imagine just concentrating on wealth creation at this point in time. I think I'd be doing myself a disservice. Well, what's interesting is, you know, everybody says, Oh, I'm going to go see a financial advisor. And they think about uh, mostly the portfolio side. And that's really the easiest side. Um, Learning how to, <clears throat> excuse me, read a tax return and be able to go through the tax return and say, okay, here's here's how we can save taxes either now or over the long run. Um, looking at a Schedule E in a tax return and helping analyze a rental property is this still truly a good deal? Are you what is your after tax you know net return on this rental property? What are the risks involved? Um, what should you be do, doing as a self-employed individual if you're filing a Schedule C? What retirement plans could be put in place that are beyond the 401k that can get you, you know, hundred thousand dollar a year tax deduction? Um, if when people come in to have a meeting to, to explore services, as long as I have uh, a copy of statements and a recent tax return, I can put the puzzle together and show clearly how you know working with a CFP adds value over and beyond just taking over the management of a portfolio, which is really about, I'd say about 35% of what we do, and we do it really well. But most of the time, we're dealing with planning scenarios, tax issues, estate planning for the family, how to protect the kids from divorce, 
in lawsuits when you leave a money, you know, all those types of things that come down the line. So the big event is tomorrow or Thursday evening because we're going to replay this in the morning. Um, it's 630 to 830. Um, I will be there early. I believe you will be there early and we always stay late to answer questions. You'll also be bringing a team of CFPs um, from your offices and they can answer questions, but set up appointments, things like that. But it's the seven tests of retirement readiness. It's 630 to 830 Toll House Hotel. It's about two hours. Chad usually tries to wrap it up about 15 minutes early. We always have time for questions in the event and after the event. It's for people that have at least 500,000 investable assets. If you're looking to retire better and pass on your estate while minimizing taxes, it hits a lot of things like life goals, investing, safe money, long-term care, income, taxes. You can sign up at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. In the next segment, Chad and I are going to be talking about the seven tests and how working with a CFP is a wise idea um, based on that unbiased angle. So find Chad Burton at chadburton.com. He is with EP Wealth. He is a CFP, a certified financial planner. Like I said, I met him 25 years ago, and I saw it as the future of staying in finance um, and helping people with retirement issues. But also, it's so much more than retirement issues, as we just learned, right? You can find him at chadburton.com. Sign up for the event either at robblackshow.com or chadburton.com. Get a consultation with CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. I always like to try to get you to think outside the box just a skosh. I think CFP Chad Burton does a nice job of that as well. Big event coming up Thursday evening, the 24th of August, 630 to 830 in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel. One of the things that he will hit upon is Social Security. And one of the things that the average American kind of misses is how math works. Every year, there's a cost of living adjustment, a COLA on Social Security. Um, and the years that you wait longer to retire and claim your Social Security, you get more benefit. If you get your benefit at 62, you take a staggering 30% less each month um, based on you're not getting that COLA for the next couple of years. Well, you're getting the cola, but you're not getting the extra that you get from delaying. Um, it's a pretty staggering amount, Chad. People can go from age 62 where they get 1440 a month in a benefit, or they can wait till 70 and get 2480 for a benefit. Um, and again, those colas get added to your payouts as well, which is um, important to note when you see how much extra you're earning on top of what you're getting for the delay. Um, do you think people understand Social Security well, Chad? I think so. I think where it gets a little bit confusing is widow benefits and and divorce benefits and things like that. Um, there was a whole, there was we had a whole quiver of uh, tricks, I guess you could say, yeah. when it came to Social Security and spousal benefits, but those have all mostly been taken away. And so, what you really have to focus on is: can you wait until seventy? Is that a good idea for you based on your life expectancy or the life expectancy of your spouse that might have a lower benefit? So. For example, there there was recently a person that because of health issues, they probably weren't going to live, you know, much past 80, but um, they had a significantly higher earnings history than their spouse. So waiting until age 70 was very key for this younger spouse, because at the first death, the larger check stays and the smaller check goes away, regardless of who it is. So it's really planning for, you know, who's going to live the longest uh, what the tax situation is and very seldom does it pay to take social security at 62 unless, um, you know, 
you're, you're not going to work at all and you're not going to live very long. So it has to do with, you know, talking about longevity, you know, what's your family history? What is the family history of your spouse and tax issues? So when I talk about tax issues, a lot of times, another reason to delay social security, Rob, is because when you take social security, typically 85% of it is taxable income. So that amazing strategy that we have right now from the date of retirement, let's say that's 65 until you have to start taking required minimum distributions, which is now not until age 73, you can control your tax brackets and you can move a lot of money from your IRA to the Roth, pay taxes on it at a low bracket, and then let it grow tax-free forever. And so if you take social security, that increases your taxable income and it can mess up how much you can do. So that's another reason that it might be wise to wait till 70. Not only that, but from your full retirement age, which is for most people like 67 now to 70, if you can hold off, it's like an 8% rate of return on your money. If you're going to live into your mid eighties or beyond. Good stuff. Now you wanted to go back and hit on some of the topics where it's a good idea to work with a CFP for retirees. Any of the ones that stand out to you taxes? Cause you kind of just talked a little about social security and taxes, insurance. Yeah, yeah, well, taxes is huge in retirement. I mean, that's where you can add most of the value. Um, Because again, the I think the portfolio side is easy as long as you stick stick with a distribution strategy. That's been our previous events is the retirement income and tax planning side. But on the on the tax side, everybody's very different, and so especially in the Bay Area, when a lot of people retire with highly concentrated stock positions from their employers and then four hundred one k accounts. A lot of times it's, okay, how do we make the two different brackets work together? Because the capital gains bracket allows you to take a lot of capital gains if you don't have any other income at a very high rate and still pay 0% in taxes before you start jumping into all the way up to the 20.38% bracket. Um, But if you have ordinary income out of your IRA or from 85% of your social security or interest in the bank or whatever, it can push those capital gains up. So a lot of times you're either blending income to keep taxes low or staggering income where I'll take a IRA withdrawal one year and sell a bunch of stock in my taxable account the next year in order to keep taxes lower for longer, which is the overall goal in retirement. How about adding that concept into working with a CFP? good idea for retirees on estate planning. Um, Yeah. Estate planning is key. And it's kind of like, okay, we now have your financial plan done. We've gone through the seven tests so that we can get a very good idea of how much money are you actually leaving your kids and what type of assets are you leaving them? Because I've had people retire, Rob, and they are very wealthy on paper at retirement, but based on their spending age 90, not so much, (laughs) you know what I mean? So they could go in based on their current net worth and get a whole bunch of estate planning and extra advanced trust planning. And then it's all kind of for not because they're going to spend it all. So, um, you have to go, you know, really do those long-term financial planning projections to say, okay, what am I leaving my kids in the future? What's the present value of that, you know, adjusted backwards with inflation? What am I truly leaving them? What type of assets? How are my kids when it comes to potential divorces and lawsuits? Do I need to, you know, do any protection there? How are they with money? Are they going to blow it if they inherit it? I mean, you and I have both seen people that inherited money at like 35, you know, four or $5 million. And that sounds like a ton of money, but then they quit working and they started spending money. They had no idea what the present value of their income from 35 to 65 was, which is well more than what they inherited. And then they find themselves dead broke at 55 with no job. 
Hmm. Um, so how do you protect your kids from getting into that kind of scenario when there's literally zero financial education in our school systems? It seems, um, it, I mean, it's, you said something fascinating about getting your, your children attorneys and protecting them from lawsuits. And we don't have a long time to get into this, but I have a family member on Shelly's side um, where the son's 22, 23, and he tends to date younger girls and he tends to break their hearts. And the mom is petrified that he's going to get called out on it and sued at some point in time. I never thought that would be an issue in my life. Any quick thoughts on getting your kids uh, protective legal issues? Protective legal issues. I, I don't, <laughs> I think that's a bigger conversation I, I, in terms I feel of like what context matter, are we, are I we feel talking like it's a matter of time before you or I get sued, just like driving a car, um, getting gas at a gas station. Like it just seems like every, this is a sue happy nation. Well, that's one of the reasons why we review insurance contracts and see what you have in terms of liability on your home and your auto and umbrella for issues like that. You can find Chad Burton at chadburton.com. Big event Thursday evening, Los Gatos, Toll House Hotel, Seven Readiness Retirement Test. Sign up at chadburton.com. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archive podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. So I want to say thank you to all the listeners for giving me a microphone for the last 25 years to talk to you about wealth accumulation along the way. We've invited CFP Chad Burton onto the air to the point he was so good that I wanted to work with him um, as a CFP designation. I did not want to get. It was too much work. I had already committed to the RIA designation and the RIA side of the business. But the CFP side is 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 really a smart thing to pursue a relationship with if you want long-term clients because clients tend to stick around if you've got a CFP designation because they're good at what they do. Um, one of the benefits of everyone listening right now is you've got to get a good education while accumulating wealth on what it's going to be like managing it. Um, we're going to be doing a big event Thursday evening, August 24, 630, Toll House Hotel. You can sign up at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. He is a CFP. He is a regional director for EP, which means he's got CFPs working underneath him that will be coming as part of the team to answer questions as well. It is a great opportunity to bring questions, um, to bring statements and say, like, what do you think? Does this look balanced or not? Um, but more importantly, set up a, a review. Set up a review so that they can digest those statements and give you a good feedback on where you are. One area that I am lacking, I'll raise my hand, Chad, long-term care. Don't have it yet, but I'm now getting to that age where I know you told me years and years ago, somewhere between 50 and 60, you need to really start thinking about it. Not for me. My dad had a heart attack basically at my age now, died of cancer five years later. Um, but for my spouse, long-term care is going to be an important one as part of um, doing the right thing by her. Yeah, it is. And it's... I, I, I think I said that correctly, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, okay. I you know, tend to see it that we have basically by the time you're 70, there's a 60% chance you're going to spend some time in a nursing home. But the statistics show that um, men go in for a shorter period of time and tend to pass away, whereas women will then go in for a longer period of time into assisted living or even full-time care. And I mean, I've got several clients that either are, you know, have full-time care at home or in care or several clients that have parents that are in that situation right now. Um, 
when I was very young, I had a specialty in planning for people that if one spouse went in, how do you protect the ill spouse from becoming, you know, be basically being in poverty? So there's ways to legally shift assets um, to protect the house and create um, income over a certain period of time so that the well spouse could stay at home and have income while the ill spouse was on Medicaid. And that's kind of like a plan B, Rob. That's if you did not save enough money, you don't have enough you know, or you don't have insurance and you're just trying to keep a situation where one spouse is in a nursing home and one spouse goes into poverty. So there are spousal impoverishment laws out there. Um, but it's, it's called Medicaid planning and you don't want to plan for Medicaid. You want to plan to either be able to pay for it yourself or insure it or say, how are we going to pay for it as a family? Um, so, you know, running those scenarios is really important. The insurance side, it's, it's a weird situation because if you want to buy life insurance and you're healthy, it's usually way better idea to go find an insurance broker said, Hey, I need a half a million dollars of 20 year term life insurance and and you can get a much better deal on your own than through your employer. But long-term care insurance is different. Um, long-term care insurance, if your employer happens to offer it, which isn't often, it's a good idea to get the plan through work because those group plans tend to face less rate increases in the future. So what long-term care is, is that if you become, if you lose two out of the six activities of daily, things like eating, dressing, bathing, continence, and those those types of activities, that the insurance will pay for either somebody to come to your house and take care of you, or you could go into assisted living or nursing home or you know adult daycare. Um, so that's what triggers it. Or if you have Alzheimer's or dementia, that triggers the benefits as well. And the insurance, the long-term care insurance, when it comes to the age of it versus like life insurance and other products, it's very young. And in the very beginning, they completely mispriced it. And so they underpriced it. Now they have way more claims than expected. So everybody that bought that insurance is facing massive rate increases year after year, it seems. And it's become very expensive. Um, so look for that insurance through your employer if you have the option. And then you essentially need to work with a fee-only certified financial planner that you know can run some scenarios to say, is this insurance a good idea in your situation? Do you have enough to self-insure? Or maybe you're going to be, you know, selling your home and moving into assisted living, or you know, if you even go so far as, well, your kids will be, you know, help you do a reverse mortgage and help pay for it and they get paid back after you pass away, kind of a thing. So it's a very important part of retirement and estate planning as well. Cause how do you want to be cared for, Rob? I mean, some people will put in their trust documents that say, I do not want to go into a home. I want every last dollar I have to be spent on me to care for me in my own home. And you can put those directions in your estate planning documents. You're going to laugh because this is not good radio. It's good radio. It's just not good financial planning. Um, I've told a friend to put a pillow over my face if I become a burden to my family. <laughs> I've, I've got a client. They, he, he's got some hunting buddies and they say they have the diaper club. Where if somebody ends up in a diaper later in life, then they're going to go hunting, but the entire hunting party may not come back. (laughs) Please don't tell me that again. (laughs) You told me once that wasn't a bunch of hunters in the inheritance were fighting over a a sausage grinder. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was... um, a large estate and it was a, a, f- a family that had a farm they had um they did a lot of hunting so it was a essentially a a meat grinder tenderizer that is used for um venison yeah and 
that was kind of the, it was things kind of fell apart in the beginning, but that one piece uh, created about a nine month extra probate situation and estate uh, settlement situation in that family. And had they had an estate planner review the documents, they probably said, is there any heirlooms that could have gone into the will or the trust that you want to pass on to one person or the other? A CFP could have caught that. Now, another thing you just talked about with CFPs, you said with long-term care running multiple scenarios, and that ties into so many things when it comes to working with a CFP, in my opinion, is having different options uh, proposed to the individual. Maybe talk a little bit more about that because it's it's definitely in your notes today about working with non-biased professionals who can run multiple scenarios. Yeah. Yes. For example, um, there's a lot of life insurance policies now that if you need nursing home or home health care, assisted living care, and you qualify with losing two out of those six activities of lady living or getting Alzheimer's, you can actually end up using the death benefit that's supposed to go to your kids or your spouse. You can end up using that benefit while you're still alive. Um, and some of the pricing on those has improved recently. They're, they're a better option than they used to be. And where they could come into play, for example, is let's say you have a second marriage and there's a large age discrepancy and a person's trying to say, well, if I go into a nursing home, um, I, or let's say first, if I pass away, these assets are going to go to my kids, but I still need to protect my spouse that I have now. Um, so I need to protect them with either a lump sum or make sure that our assets that we have together are not drained by long-term care. That might be a, a tool that could be used to be held potentially in a trust, for example, that would make that person's wishes come to you. I want to take care of my kids, but I also want to take care of my spouse. But here's this risk that it all blows up. If I go into a nursing home, spend 130 grand a year for six years and then die. Um, so the, the thing is, is that sometimes you really have to look at those insurance products and say, what's the internal rate of return if I live to different ages? Um, you don't want the advice coming from, you need your insurance agents, right? You need people that hmm. know all about, uh, auto policies, making them blend together and work with umbrella policies and, and how to apply and which companies are right based on health issues. You need our, your agents, but when it comes to products like that, that you have to say, I got to make a decision to keep money invested in stocks or put it into this insurance. You don't want the advice coming from somebody that's making a commission. Well said. Let's um kind of power on a little bit. Um, let's talk about products that you have access to that the average person doesn't have access to, software that you get to use, um, a little bit of AI and tax returns. I know that, but software is robust. And it, it, it I'm not saying it does the planning for you, but it does a lot of um, scenarios. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it, the main software packages that we use tend to be the, the financial planning software which has tax analysis built into it at a basic level. But then outside of that, um, two other products that we use to say to run multiple scenarios where it's the software that you actually use to you can create returns, but also create models. What if scenarios, how much is the right amount to convert from an IRA to a Roth without affecting your Medicare part B premiums? Um, or, you know, how much you should convert from an IRA to Roth without blowing up your capital gains situation for the year. Um, so, even on the financial planning software, there's, there's really, there's, there's obviously online calculators that are out there, but they don't get as far into the weeds. So for example, 
when, when we have a situation where a person might have real estate and a taxable account, your taxable account has phantom income, right? You, you, do you know what I mean by that, Rob? Mm-hmm. So if you're investing in stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, um, in a brokerage account outside of a retirement account, so either in your name, joint, or a trust, even if you're not pulling money out, you're going to have a certain amount of money that's that's being kicked off as ordinary income, tax-free income, uh, qualified dividends, non-qualified dividends, and a certain amount of turnover every year where you need to do some trimming and rebalancing. And so you have to model that tax hit on an annual basis in a financial plan. You have to get really into the weeds and say, of of the rate of return that I'm projecting, how much is coming from these different areas so that you can say, this is how much I'm going to pay in taxes every year in retirement. It's so much more than just investment advice. It's taxes, it's income, it's long-term care, it's safe money, it's investing, it's life goals. Big event, August 24th, Toll House Hotel, 630 to 830. Sign up at chadburton.com, seven readiness retirement tests. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'm looking forward to Chad's new slides, the seven tests of retirement readiness. Thursday, August 24th, 6.30, Toll House Hotel. Um, I always learn one little nuance. Um, if you have at least $500,000 in investable assets, this event is for you. If you've not been to more than two in the last few years, this event's for you. Um, but the seven tests of ready, retirement readiness, um, going to hit taxes, income, long-term care, and much, much more. Chad, can you go over the seven tests that you're actually going to be trying to get people to check mark by the end of the two hours? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first one we're going to go over is the linear cash flow test. And this is kind of basically you run, you know, a certain rate of return. What's the right rate of return that you should be using? Um, you, you want to be conservative, but you have to have also inflation items. So normal expenses, what should you deflate those at versus healthcare costs? Uh, but you also have to think about what goes into the expenses and what are the taxes? Um, what are all the things that need to be in that cash flow report? All of your income items, all of your expense items, including taxes and you know, even down to maintenance costs on your rental property that you might own. So how do you pass that test? How do you make sure you have enough money to last till age 100? And then once you say, okay, I do have enough. At a, if I assume a certain rate of return, then you start getting into what's the right portfolio for you. What rate of return do you need to be successful, but also what's your risk tolerance? Because as you move into retirement, you go from a very aggressive investor. And I've seen people go from super aggressive saying they're always aggressive to, oh my gosh, they're very conservative. They're investing like my grandmother now. Um, because you go from the situation where I don't, I don't care. Wait, if the how, stock, does you, how does your grandmother invest out of curiosity? Oh, she was very conservative. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, CD back when CDs were paying 7%, right? So, um, sounds good to me, but you have to, you have to realize that, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm earning income. I have more than enough money to pay my expenses. And so I'm putting money into an investment. And so you're not worried about market corrections because you're not pulling money out. But when you stop working and you stop funding it, you see potentially a declining value. You have to say, what is my true risk tolerance? Um, and you got to create the right portfolio that meets the your risk tolerance requirements, but also your return requirements. And within that, the next test, number three, is the safe money test. How much cash should you have on the sidelines 
And that is figured out going through number one and number two. You, you got to have your portfolio, but you also have a certain amount of cash to get through rough market rec- corrections. Like, so for example, 2008 and 2022 were the worst years for balanced portfolios in recent history, probably the last 50 years. And so you have to make sure when you go through periods like that, that you aren't pulling money out of the portfolio when it's down. Cause in 2022, both stocks and bonds were down. So if all of your money was in stocks and bonds, then what would you do? You'd be selling at a loss. So you got to have a safe money test. The tax test is which withdrawal strategy is best for you. There's multiple and everybody's different based on where their money has been saved, where they have rental properties, taxable accounts, non-taxable accounts, Roths, it's all different. So which one's best for you? And then once you've got this all figured out and modeled and you have the correct portfolio that you're going to be modeling in your financial plan, you can then move forward and run what's called Monte Carlo simulations, which say, okay, if the stock market, the linear cash flow uh, model is gets you, you know, to the point where, oh, I, I think I have enough to retire. But that's based on a flat rate of return forever. And that's not how the stock market works. It's positive 74% of the time in the last 50 years. So you have to randomize the return history and say, based on what the stock market has done and the assets that I own and correlation, standard deviations, what is my success rate? If I run thousand different market simulations in the order of stock market returns, what is my success rate? My linear cash flow could say, yeah, you got enough to retire. But unless you run a Monte Carlo simulation that gives you an 85% plus rate of return or uh, 85% plus success uh, factor, you probably won't want to retire yet. You got to do something different. You either have to invest differently or, um, you know, do something with expenses or longevity or whatever it may be. Um, and then after that's all said and done, then you can start to say, okay, what if, what are, what are some, what if scenarios that I can do? Like, what if I go into a nursing home for five years, what's left over for my spouse if I die after five years in a nursing home and how do you deal with those issues? Um, what if I want to buy a second home? What if I want to, when do I need to sell a rental property to replace my liquid, my, you know, uh, accessible cash, for example. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we just talk about what does a successful retirement look like in terms of being fulfilled? Um, I've seen so many people, Rob, in almost 30 years that I've been doing this, save a ton of money and never enjoy it because of health issues, because of boredom, because of no plan for recreating your social network and, and um, sense of purpose after you leave your job. Well said, and I fear that could be me. So that's one that I'm going to have to work on. I'm going to learn more. August 24th, Toll House Hotel, Los Gatos, CFP, Chad Burton, EP Wealth Advisors. He's going to be bringing a team of CFPs. One thing that I do know for sure is if you have over 500,000, whether it be 2 million, 3 million, 5, 10, 15, 100 million, CFP pays for themselves with the taxes, <laughs> if nothing else with the tax planning, but the estate planning as well. And also the life goals and investing in safe money, having a buffer in the bad times, as well as has a, having enough of a, a nest egg to last in case you make it to 92 or 95 and you weren't expecting to. Any final thoughts from you, Chad, before people rush off to chadburton.com, see some of your downloads and get some of your uh, signups for the event on the 24th? I think the thing that just jumped into my head as you said that is that that the portfolio is over two million. That's when you can start looking at um, some of the really attractive alternative investments that are out there: private credit, uh-huh. direct lending, um, certain real estate investment trusts that might not be available to 
lower value portfolios and then even tax overlay strategies with multiple managers involved. So there, there's definitely a certain level of, um, of services and products that are available at that, that higher portfolio value. That, that's the only thing that popped in my mind on it, Rob. Thanks again for promoting this event with me. And um, it should be worthy of note that the fee structure does change as you have more assets, but it's important. It's important to work with a financial planner. If you got nothing else out of this hour, it's super important in retirement and retirement uh, preparedness, readiness, uh, super important. You can sign up at CFP Chad Burton, uh, website, chadburton.com. That's the 24th, August. Whole House Hotel in Los Gatos. Sign up at chadburton.com. Think you're in good shape for retirement? Find out how you're really doing with the seven tests of retirement readiness. Join Rob Black and CFP Chad Burton of EP Wealth Advisors Thursday, August 24th in Los Gatos. They'll walk you through these seven tests to find out whether you are really ready for the retirement you want. Rob will provide timely commentary, and Chad will share specific strategies for taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and more. If you have at least $500,000 in investable assets and want to retire better, pass on your estate, and minimize taxes, this event is for you. Find out if you're on the right track with the seven tests of retirement readiness. Thursday, August 24th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Los Gatos Toll House Hotel. Space is limited, so sign up today at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Can you pass all seven tests? Sign up today online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.